0: Well, today's message for Liberty Church Online is going to be a little bit different. It was actually inspired by a recent staff meeting. You know, at Liberty, we have a team not only in New York and St. Pete in London, Manzini, also missionaries around the world. And every Tuesday over Zoom, we uh, dial in together to be encouraged and to hear good reports. And in one of those recent staff meetings, the topic was about grief. I think when a lot of us hear the word grief, we kind of associate that just with uh, losing a loved one and the experience of loss. And of course, uh, grief certainly applies in that situation. But a lot of the topic was about uh, how grief can be experienced in all different kinds of loss. I mean, I remember losing a job years ago and my counselor gave me a book on grief. It was actually such a valuable conversation we had in that staff meeting that we decided it'd be helpful for the whole church for us to dedicate a Sunday message to the topic. The, the, The topic for today is navigating grief, I think. In the times that we're living in right now, global pandemic and shutdown, it's very likely that just about everybody watching uh, this service today has experienced lately some kind of grief. And I actually have joining me today for the conversation, Joy Atmore, who is um, the care director of Liberty Church Globally. She's the one that facilitated that really helpful conversation that day. And Joy, it's great to have you on the conversation. Hi, it's good to be here. Yeah, so good. And she and Philip have a handsome baby boy recently born by the name of Freedom. And so we decided uh, in the interest of social distancing that we could do this over Zoom rather than have you come here to the studio. That works. Absolutely.
1: The joys of modern technology.
0: <laughs> that's it. That's it. So Joy. <laughs> I'd love to just kind of do this as a conversation, almost like an interview, but I thought maybe where we could start is to back it up a little bit. And um, since I think there's misunderstanding even about the concept of grief itself, maybe you could start out by just maybe answering the simple introductory question, which is like, I mean, what even is grief and what are some examples of things that can cause us to experience it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, let's the, the start with the dictionary. It defines grief as uh, deep sadness or experiencing any kind of loss, which is a great kind of foundation to lay. But I also love the definition that author Paula D'Arcy gave in her book. She says, grief is the heart's response to any deep loss. And I love that because it immediately directs our attention to the place within ourselves where grief tends to reside. It's not an intellectual conversation, actually. There's knowledge that we can gain around it, but really the conversation we're going to be having is to do with our heart and how it processes loss. Um, You know, grief is something that we experience on an individual level, and right now we are all experiencing um, unique Uh, losses in our life due to the pandemic but we're also uniquely brought together in this experience like it's a communal grief that the whole world is actually going through so even though our individual circumstances will look different from person to person the the reason behind it or there's like this equalizer that we are all kind of going through together which is the pandemic you know the last time I experienced uh, communal grief was when Princess Diana died. So I grew up in the UK and I remember when she passed away, the whole country went into mourning. And I think the last time that the world went through communal grief was probably at the end of the second world war. We'd all been through this, this massive life altering event that affected us in a myriad of ways, but it, we'd all done it together, you know, and this is one of those times like a global pandemic, we're all walking through this together. But like you said, Paul, people are experiencing it differently. You know, some people have lost jobs or um, if not the whole job, the hours have been cut down. Uh, We're missing doing life face to face with one another. You know, social distancing is hard. There's isolation that people are experiencing, as well as people being sick and sadly passing away due to the virus. And, you know, for us at Liberty, not being able to do church together is, is really hard. You know, so through the pandemic, we are all kind of we're grieving where we are losing things and our hearts are trying to process that you know but as, alongside the pandemic I also wanted to Bring up the fact that life is also going on, not quite as normal, but it's still continuing, right? And so, aside from COVID 19 and its effects, there's also other things that we are encountering, bumping up against, and being hurt by, and having to process. And one thing that I particularly wanted to draw our attention to is that of, particularly in the US, that of uh, racial injustice. You know, last month we had the stories of Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor that hit the news and devastating losses. Um, and and just the the, the deep-rootedness of, of that issue here in America particularly, you know, and how our black communities particularly, but but everybody is is processing that and, and that's uh there's just another layer to grief that people are walking through. So yes like we're 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 grieving through this pandemic but also there are other things that crop up. And so during this conversation I really want to um give our hearts the space to, uh, to go there with this conversation and recognize, oh, is this something that I'm struggling with? Or maybe my friend is, and how can I move through this? Because no two people process grief the same way. It may be similar circumstances, but we all do it differently. You know, and I would describe um, this, poll as like walking through, it's an exercise in walking through grief in love. You know, and so um, may we kind of start this conversation with that image in mind that we are walking through this as an exercise in love.
0: I think that's really helpful. One of the things that you said when we talked about it was, and I'll quote this, grief calls us to slow down and allow the sadness to pass through so a deep rootedness may be found. And so it's interesting. It's like got a sense of Got a sense of journey um, about it, a sense of process about it, and it's got a there's a hopefulness about where we could kind of land at the end of this. But um, I think one of the things in this conversation, since we're coming at this from the perspective of Jesus followers and a perspective mm. of faith, would be maybe I could ask you kind of a double barrel question. Go for it. Um, <laughs> on the one, you know, one thing would be what does the Bible say about grief and loss and mourning, and kind of alongside that, maybe you can add a little bit of commentary because. I think there's a question that some of us have that could be more unconscious than conscious, but it's kind of like, I mean, is mourning or is grief and sorrow something God is even appro- God approves of? Is he okay with this? There's almost a sense in which I think some schools of Christian thought would treat grief as like kind of anti-faith somehow. I know my own personal experience when my mom uh, died a couple of years ago, was some well-meaning, Jesus-loving people said some things that felt pretty unhelpful to me at the time, if Mm. I'm honest. And um, it's not even that they were wrong. Like people would say things like this when I was, um, you know, overwhelmed with sorrow. Um, Mm. People, more than one person said, well, she's in a better place now and of course they were right and i theologically completely agree with with that that she was in a better place is in a better place but it seemed to me that part of what was happening was people were not okay with me not being okay maybe especially as a pastor i don't know but there was almost Mm -hmm. a sense of like if you're a christian there shouldn't be sorrow there shouldn't be grief because we have hope and we have heaven could you maybe speak to that a little bit through the lens of scripture
1: Right. You know, I, I love the verse. Okay, it's so the shortest verse in the Bible. So it's some Bible trivia for you. But in John eleven thirty five, it says Jesus wept. And I love that um, this is included in the Bible because Jesus identified with sorrow. You know, He was also named a man of sorrows in in the prophecies about Him. And you, you know, God Himself knows how to stop and and grieve. You know, so if God Himself can do that and and weep and and recognize a loss that He's just gone through, how much more do we need to? And I love that you brought this up, Paul, because I think we actually need to give each other permission to feel and to be okay with that, and to stop when we need to. And- and to process those emotions. So yeah, like you said, people can say great things, but sometimes we actually just need to shut up and, and just listen to one another and sit and be and be in those moments, you know, move, like you said before, move through them together. Um, you know, but I also love looking at the Bible, you know, as well as um, those moments like Jesus wept where he stopped and he mourned, it, there's also so many scriptures that talk about promise being attached to grief and to mourning so i wanted to to draw us to matthew 5 verse 4 and i'm going to read it in a couple of translations actually Um, but this is like such a well-known scripture it's from the beatitudes and you know in the new living translation it says god blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted do you see the promise they will be comforted there's no doubt about it in the passion translation it says what delight what great pleasure or joy comes to you when you wait which means to continue an expectation or to attend upon. So when you wait upon the Lord, for you will find what you long for. Now, did you notice how in those two different translations, one said grieve and one said wait? You know, actually in the Greek, mourn and grieve are um, very similar to one another. And so the Passion Translation uh, draws attention to that in the use of, of the word wait. And I thought that was really interesting when I read it, because I'm so familiar with that verse and then hearing it differently. I was like, well, why would you bother translating it Differently, because there's a key, right? And when we follow this word trail, we find that in scripture there are more keys to what God has for us on the other side of grieving and waiting upon Him. So, in Psalm 27, verse 14, again in the Passion Translation, it says, Here's what I've learned through it all don't give up, don't be impatient, but be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave and courageous, and never lose hope. Yes, keep on waiting for he will never disappoint you. So actually in this verse, wait has been translated as entwined with one, as one with the Lord. So what, you know, this, I love this, mourning, belief that there's this um, layer of waiting, but then beneath that is this layer of being entwined as one with God. So actually what this is directing us to is that as we mourn, We process through that we're waiting upon God for him to fulfill those promises, but the whole time a posture is one as being entwined with him. You know, in Psalm 25, verse 5, again, in the Passion, it says, Escort me along the way. Take me by the hand and teach me. For you are the God of my increasing salvation. I have wrapped my heart into yours. You know, again, when I had that definition about grief being a heart's response to deep loss, this scripture comes parallel with that. Our heart is wrapped into yours, God. So as we're going through this grief, we can be confident that our hearts are being entwined with God, that they're wrapped in him. You know, again, as we kind of look at Scripture and God, what other things do you have to say about mourning? What other promises do you have? We can look at Jeremiah thirteen, verse thirty. Sorry, Jeremiah thirty-one, verses thirteen, and it talks about our mourning being turned into joy. In Jeremiah t- uh, thirty, verses eleven through twelve, it says that our mourning will be turned into joyful dancing. And another promise in Isaiah sixty-one, verse three. And in the Passion Translation, it says, the oil of bliss will be given to you instead of tears and the mantle of joyous praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. You know, grief can often feel like that heaviness. Isn't that wonderful, Paul, that the Bible talks about these layers Mm -hmm. of promises being given to us. So even as we go into this conversation, I, I pray that you would be infused with the hope of these promises, that on the mm-hmm. other side of your grief is joyful dancing, is uh, the um, the mantle of joyous praise instead of the spirit of heaviness.
0: That's yeah, so good. I mean, the word's just full of life and promise and hope. So good. Uh, mm-hmm. Even in challenging times. So maybe maybe on a, maybe on a, even a very practical level, I mean, a lot of what you do, Joy, as a care director Um, You provide care to our staff as they care for others. You train our care Mm -hmm. teams around the world, and really those teams come alongside people in all kinds of seasons, you know, celebration, you know, marriage and birth, also hardship of loss or depression Mm -hmm. or different types of challenge. So, you know, how could we, you know, identify, maybe people watching think, well, is that me right now? Um, uh, so are there ways that you can identify if you're walking through grief, any kind of like telltale signs that you could share? I know you shared some with the staff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there are seven emotional stages of grief. So I'm going to go through those seven with you now. And I will say that, you know, there's a, there is a, a pattern to them that kind of run from one through seven, but we can also not do that, um, linearly like grief isn't linear so we can start sometimes at the beginning and then kind of beginning to move down and then find ourselves moving back up and you know and so just uh, we can find ourselves in different spaces in this but this does give us a grid work um to understanding how grief can manifest so the first one is shock which is the initial disbelief at the news we were all shocked when quarantine took effect. I know that the month before all of this happened, I, I was dismissing things as oh, this isn't gonna happen, you know, and then reality hit and it's like, wow, <laughs> shock. Then this denial, trying to avoid coming to terms with the loss. I think we can all identify to that at the beginning of quarantine. It's like we can do a week of this, but it's not gonna be that big of a deal. I'm just gonna like, you know, and then here we are, nearly three months later. <laughs> Then anger, the result of bottling up emotions that can be poured out on yourself or on others. I can really identify for this. When I was preparing for the staff meeting and I was going through all this material, I realized how angry I was. And I I, I didn't have a good enough reason. You know, it wasn't like somebody had said something that made me angry, but there was, it kept coming out and I realized actually I was grieving. I was in this stage of anger in my grief at, at how life had been changed in just a matter of a few weeks. The fourth one is bargaining, trying to reason with yourself that by doing things differently, you could have changed things. I think we have all had those bargaining conversations when it relates to our government, when it relates to our leaders, how they could have done things differently. I'm sure even our church leaders at times, we, we have those moments. Okay? But, this, but actually, rather than that um, being expressed towards that person, we need to realize that, that is, it's an aspect of our grief that we are working through. Number five is depression. It's a sadness associated with the realization of loss. Number six, testing. Seeking out a new passion or challenge. Who out here has discovered a new hobby since quarantine started? I recently uh, reinvested in painting by numbers. It's been my new challenge. So that's where I'm at in my grief process. And then number seven is acceptance. It's finding a meaningful way forward. So this is the place that we want to come to as we process through all of these stages. We want to come out to this place of acceptance. Like, okay, I acknowledge what I've lost. And I've moved through these different emotional places. And now I'm in this place of fresh hope of what the future has for me. And I want to run through a few things that can um, help us identify what stage we're in. So there are different ways that grief manifests, and, and there's a myriad more than this, but just to touch on a few. So, you know, grief manifests emotionally, physically, mentally. It can be provoked by tears or displaying outbursts of anger. Some people can have a huge compulsion to talk whilst others will retreat and give their friends and family the cold shoulder. I have been there in the past when I was, um, my husband and I walked through a couple of miscarriages. And I remember in that time, there were moments where I I wanted to talk about what had happened because there was something cathartic and and it it made the process seem more real to me. But then there were moments where I wanted to shut everybody out and I, I, I just wanted to be by myself. So it can look like both. It can also leave someone with a desperate need to control things um, around them or a sudden desire to fill their time with busyness. Again, that kind of goes into that that denial place. It can express itself like that. Some people can physically withdraw from people closest to them. And that can be like, um, yeah, not wanting physical touch. But then other times people can desire to to be held. They want to be held. They want to have that, that closeness of physical contact. And grief can also affect our appetites, Paul, and the ability to sleep well. And I know that I have experienced that time too, where you, you want to go to bed, you're so tired, but you find yourself staring at the ceiling. And actually, that can be a manifestation of grief. So I think it's really helpful to, um, to, to study some of these things, to acknowledge like, oh, that's actually a pointer, this, this, this uh, emotion or this outburst is a pointer towards something that deeper is going on.
0: Yeah. I think that's really helpful. And um, and even as you're sharing that list, I'd imagine there are probably people watching, realizing I'm at this stage or that stage, or some of the behaviors might even kind of resonate with them. Like that's been me, but they haven't perhaps joined the dots that what's coming out is behavior or even physical things that you can experience in your body, headaches and, you know, other things yeah. in your body, you know, can be manifestations of that kind of underlying grief, especially when mm-hmm. it's unaddressed or unrecognized, you know. Um, yeah. So, one of the things that I realize is that there might be people pinpointing, that's kind of where I am right now, but what advice would you give people on an individual basis, maybe firstly, um, yeah. of how do we move through grief, you know, I guess the recognition, I don't want to, I don't want to, get stuck here i don't want to stay here forever but how do we move through not just in a blind kind of move on or pretend it's not there but how do we journey Mm -hmm. through grief in a in a healthier way could you speak to that a bit
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the most important thing to do at the beginning is to name what it is that you've lost. You know, I had a friend who was meant to be getting married in this season and her whole expectations of the season completely changed with the introduction of quarantine. And, and, but naming what her loss was, her expectations of what her wedding day would look like. You know, I I think there are many people can relate to things like that, naming what it is that you've lost um, what the expectations that you had, because actually once you've spoken those things out then allows you to um, go to the next step of of processing how you feel about it. But we can't process our feelings before we have acknowledged what it is we've lost. You know, and then... um Give yourself permission, like I said at the beginning to process each stage of your grief. Um, and I would encourage you to, to do this with community too. I think that's another important part of, um, of processing through this healthily individually is that we invite some trusted people into our life. There is such healing that is found when we thrive in community. You know when we invite people in we don't want to do life alone. we want no one was meant to do life alone. And so look about you and see who can I bring in, who do I trust? Who can I share this journey with? Another thing that you can do on your own is start a journal. I find this super helpful and cathartic to write things down because there's no, I don't have to filter it. Sometimes when we're we're speaking to somebody, we'll filter ourselves, but with a pen and paper, you don't have to. Who's going to see it? No one. This is just for you. So things like that, where you can like write down everything that you're feeling and thinking is a really helpful outlet for grief. And then also sharing your story. That can sound, um, I don't know, some people feel like that can sound selfish, I think. But this is part of the cathartic process too. Once you have those trusted people in your life, this isn't about like floodlighting people, but it's about sharing, hey, this this is an intimate part of my story. So for example, when I mentioned my miscarriages earlier, I wanted to talk about them. I wanted to share the story Mm. of those lives because they existed. Maybe for a brief moment, not as long as I thought they would do, but they existed, and I wanted people. I wanted to invite people into that, and totally. um, it, it acknowledged what I'd been through, but it also it brought healing and it made me realize, like, oh, this wasn't there. This wasn't there's meaning in this somehow, right? And so. Yeah. Focus that in on what that that looks like for you. And, and don't be scared to share your story with people because actually in doing so, it invites them to own their story too, their own experience of COVID-19 quarantine,
0: mm. whatever
1: else that looks like. So-
0: I think that's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, I think you're speaking to a little bit of a both end tension. Maybe we could build on that a little bit here because rightly a lot of the conversation that we're having in the beginning here, we're kind of looking inward, where am I at in the stages of grief or what behaviors or how do I move forward? But you started to share a little bit at the end there about how your story can help others So maybe you could spend a few minutes also talking to how can we respond maybe to a friend or a loved one that we're recognizing perhaps they're stuck or perhaps they don't realize where they are in this journey or or maybe, I don't know, how how can we be more helpful (laughs) to people around us who are navigating grief?
1: Yeah. and I, I'm glad we're having this conversation because I think sometimes we don't know what to do. Let's be honest. When we see someone going through a hard time, we don't always know what to do. And there aren't always the words to fix things, which is why we can say things that just aren't very helpful. <laughs> you know, but I, here's here's a few tips. So um, one thing I would suggest is giving the gift of your time. Now, I know this looks different in the midst of quarantine because we have to social distance and things, but we have technology. We can pick up our phone. We can text someone. We can call someone. We can do this. We can Zoom. You know, there are so many different ways that we can give our time still to people. So be creative. Have a, have a think about how you can do that for your friend or loved one. I also think being specific in your offers of help. You know, I, I, I have to admit, so I'm a number two on the Enneagram. So If anyone knows what this means, it means you're a helper, right? So my default in situations is to go, how can I help? Because I want to help. It's my default. But it's not actually very helpful to a lot of people. But being specific, like we had friends the other day and they were going through something. And so we gave them a specific offer. This is what we could do to help you. Can we do this? And so we did, you know, but that that helps them because they're in they're in a place where, you know, when you're grieving, actually things can be a little bit all over the place. So when someone comes with you with a direct offer, you can choose whether or not to say yes or no. And it simplifies things and it's less overwhelming. I think also um, listening. You know, we talked earlier about uh, inviting trusted people in to to share those things with and so really if we're the one who is being invited in we need to learn how to listen well it can be so easy to offer our own advice or like oh I went through that this is my experience and actually we just need to be quiet our presence is enough sometimes that's all the person who's grieving needs is just to have somebody next to them they don't even need to say something sometimes but your presence is enough And then another great tip is consider keeping a calendar of dates. So if if you know somebody who's gone through a a loss of a a loved one, um, paying attention to dates that would be significant for them, a birthday or the the date of their passing, so that in the future you can um, reach out to them on that day. Let them know that you're thinking of them, that you love them, maybe sending them flowers. I think that intentionality goes a long way and it can be a real blessing to someone who's grieving.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think some of these are very practical, doable things. and That's what's so, I think, helpful, honestly, Joy, about the message and the way that you're approaching it. Is I feel like it equips all of us um, to be kind of an extension of the care team, I guess, to whoever's in our world where the Liberty Absolutely. Church uh, is home for us or not, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I was thinking also, you know, we, we talked a little about helping others. I guess I also want to extend an invitation from our church to um, anybody watching um, to say that you know we you don't have to do this life alone. We want to be here for you, whatever it is that you might be going through or experiencing right now. We gave some examples and your story, your situation might be something completely else. but one of the simplest ways that you could let us know you would like help would be to go to our website. If you just went to Libertychurch.com uh, on libertychurch.com right there on the homepage, there's actually a few different buttons where you can let us know different ways that we could help. For instance, um, there's one button there that says, hey, I have a prayer request. So, you know, we'd love to be praying with you in, for anything we could stand with you on in this season. You need a miracle, healing, breakthrough, a job, uh, whatever it is. Like we'd love to pray with you. We have a whole team of prayer warriors, intercessors um, that'll pray with you and stand with you, believing for a miracle. A second thing that you could click on the website is, hey, I'd like someone to contact me. Um, and that could be for any reason. And this is, uh, you know, obviously we have a connect card for, you know, finding out what's happening in church life, but this is saying, Hey, I want to talk to someone. Maybe you just want to have a zoom conversation like this with someone who cares and can listen, or maybe you'd like to have kind of a virtual coffee catch up, so to speak. But whatever it is that you're going through, if, if talking, connecting would really help you, it could even just be isolation or loneliness right now. Hey, uh, we would love to be there for you. So you could click, I'd like someone to contact me and. A third very specific way that we could help, and we've been able to help quite a lot of people this way, thanks to generosity of about over 100 people, 100 families in our churches, we set up a benevolence fund uh, where money was given, over $30,000 so far, to help people with practical financial needs. And we've been able to help uh, locally in our Liberty Church communities, and we've been able to partner with missions agencies around the world. Usually that help looks like groceries, um, but you know, whatever it is that we could do to help, you could start that conversation by clicking the button and tell us in a sentence or two what's going on and our heart is to do everything that we can to help. So I just sort of wanted to say that even in a very practical way, we, we do care, and we are praying for you and standing with you, but we're also sort of standing by to see what we can do uh, to help you in practical ways as well. So Joy, maybe I can throw back to you just for one more minute here. Um mm-hmm. Give me, if you could, one, one sort of favorite scripture as we think about, you know, how do we pray, goodness, Mm. in times like these and what's going on in the nations and in our generation right now. um, I know you mentioned a favorite scripture is one of the ways that you like to pray. Can you just share with that, uh, that with us as we, we begin to close?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to read um, 2 Chronicles 7.14 in the New Living Passion, (laughs) the New Living Translation. Um, So it says, then, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and restore their land. Mm -hmm. And I love this scripture because it it helps to focus our prayers, actually. There's so much direction in this scripture. So if we look at it really quickly, when it talks about humbling ourselves, it's acknowledging that God is on the throne, not us. So this situation is super overwhelming for everybody, um, church leaders included. But when we acknowledge that God is on the throne, we can look up at him and realize that he is sovereign, humble ourselves. When we pray, it's to raise our gaze to heaven's throne. It's to turn our attention from what is down here to what God is saying, what He, what his perspective of this situation is. Turn away from our wicked ways, to move away from everything and anything that is trying to take the place of God in our life, to repent, basically. Turn away from those things. And you know, on the other side of this, on the other side of these directions, there is this promise, again, so thank you, God. I will hear from heaven and I will forgive your sins and restore to heal, to bring back to its former glory, your land. So, mm-hmm. yes, we're in the middle of a pandemic right now. But God's promise is that he will hear our prayers, that he will um, forgive our sins and restore Heal, bring back our lands to their former glory, not just parts of it, but all of it. Hmm. So I would encourage you as you're, um, you know, all processing through this, you posture yourself in this way, posture yourself in prayer because God is big. He is bigger than COVID-19 and he is more than able to break the chains of depression and oppression, to break the chains of sickness and disease, to bring healing and deliverance, to set you free from grief and pour fresh hope and joy into your
0: life it's so good it's so good i just want to say joy you know our time's almost gone firstly i just want to thank you not only for the amazing job you do week in, week out, uh, caring for and loving on our church, but also just for sharing um, this wisdom and insight and scripture with everybody today. And I I guess I just want to sort of close by um, just addressing everybody before we pray uh, to say, hey, I'm believing for you to stand on some of these promises um, that Joy has shared uh, today. And uh, I pray that you know they would minister to you as an individual, whatever you're going through right now. I love Jesus' words. He said, come to me. Mm-hmm. All you who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. So really that's kind of when you wrap it all up, that's really the answer to all of this is it's ultimately we believe as a church is about coming to Jesus. He's the answer. He is the way, he's the truth, he's the life. And really our prayer for you uh, in all of this is that if you've been experiencing uh, a sense of helplessness or where is God in all of this or asking all those what if questions and feeling stuck or trapped that the message today is has been life and light to you and equipping and helpful. Um, And uh, I'm going to pray just a simple prayer right now, really that come to Jesus kind of a prayer. And maybe, I don't know your individual situation watching um, this online service today, but... I pray that this would minister to you in just a moment. Somebody's actually going to come and give you some instructions on you know how you could let us know that you've committed to following Jesus today. And we'd love to resource and support you in that. But before we get there, let me just pray a prayer. And if you recognize today, man, I need Jesus, I need forgiveness, I need breakthrough. I, I want to commit my way to Jesus today. Maybe you could kind of pray along with this prayer along with me. So so dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your gracious love toward us. Thank you that the Bible Is full of these amazing promises for us when we grieve, when we're in sorrow, when we're in loss, God, that the Bible actually says you are our very present help in time of need. You care. And you don't stand afar off, God. You are with us, walking through this, journeying with us. So, Lord Jesus, we commit our way to you today. We believe you are the way, the truth, and the life. We invite you into our hearts. Forgive us of our sins, Wipe away uh, the past, God, as we commit to follow Jesus, to thrive in community, to make a difference. Lord, give us strength, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen.